1: Very pleased not to be joined here on the nfc east mixed type, but the one and only the legendary the internationally famous the latest person to put up with my voice that has been battling a sickness for about a week at this point in time you know him i actually don't even know where you know him because you can know him from a lot of places at this point in time uh we love survivor he loves survivor he is a survivor from survivor ghost island from I guess formerly the defunct the lived the properly realized surviving snyder podcast it is brendan shapiro brendan thank you so much for taking the time to join the next day
2: it is is a pleasure to be here i normally don't uh, go out of my way to talk to cowboys fans or or affiliates but i'm happy to be talking to you today
1: so my co-host brandon and i um we love the nfc east um we love survivor we like to to joke but say in a, t- a totally serious way that we came up with the term nfc beast it is the dumbest name of all time. I hate that people like like last year was so annoying. Um, obviously, because the Giants had their little run of success that you know went way over the you know to the top of their heads. Um, I hate that. I hate when people talk about the NFC Beast. Uh, do you like that term or not?
2: No, I'm not a fan. Uh, and and I mean, if you if you if we're being honest with ourselves, I think over the last decade or so. NFC least is probably a a, a better uh, description of our of our division, um, but no. And and the thing is, like, I mean, w- we can get into this, but if you look at postseason success, obviously the Eagles, you know, took it almost all the way last year, but uh, there's not a there's not a lot of recent history of success out of this division. So I think it's uh it's maybe a little far fetched to call it the NFC Beast, at least uh, at least not
1: yet. You know, uh, Brendan, I'm a big fan of yours, uh, but I wouldn't be doing my job if I didn't point out that um, one of the two Washington division titles in recent memory came with a below 500 record. No other you know, NFC East team you know, did that. Uh, <laughs> I actually am not the biggest fan of Ron Rivera. And I think four coaches have done that this century, and he's done it twice. Like, that's the most incredible run of luck that anybody has ever had for somebody who's like regarded to be this like gambler of sorts but um, again we can get into that as well um, you love the Washington Commanders you were on Survivor as mentioned Survivor Ghost Island awesome season uh, I believe Wendell is an Eagles fan is that correct yes
2: yeah yeah Wendell is I, so I've got a couple friends at Wendell's good buddy Bryce also an Eagles fan so most Eagles I, I will go on record as saying Eagles fans are, are among the most deplorable people on on the face Besides. of the earth with you there. Um having said that, I do know a handful of really cool guys and 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 people that uh that root for the team. A brother-in-law of mine, one of my best friends, Wendell Bryce, all these guys. So so there are exceptions to the rule, but yeah, it's a tough bunch by and large. You know, for forever when I was a kid, everybody talked about the the then Redskins Cowboys rivalry. And I don't I mean, I hated the Cowboys because I was supposed to, but really if I'm being honest with you, I've, I've always hated the Eagles more and mostly it's because of my experiences at what was, you know, RFK and then, right. and then uh, FedEx field, you know, nobody wants to fight like an Eagles fan wants to fight. Nobody wants to curse and that, you know, like while spilling beer on your kids, like an Eagles fan does. Um, well maybe the Giants fans are close behind the Dallas fans, to be honest with you, like they tend to be just kind of having a good time. Happy to go lucky. Runners. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. And they'll, they'll talk a lot of smack, but it's usually pretty good natured. They, they don't have their fists up. They just, you know, they just like to have some fun.
1: Yeah, you know, I uh recently for Espionation, I interviewed Victor Cruz and I asked him, you know, when he was playing, um, obviously he won the Super Bowl as well. We don't have to talk about that. Um, but I said, like, where where did you hate going the most? Like, what was the, the most like unpleasant experience for you? And he said Philly. Um, and I thought it was going to be kind of what you were saying. And he talked about the old prison under the stadium at the vet, yeah. like whatever. But his reasoning was was logical, but really weird. He was like, you know, we had to take a train there. And I was just like, Okay, that's it's kind of a strange reason to, to hate this he was like i like uh these are my words he's like i like a more posh lifestyle so i can sure. imagine uh you know visiting at&t stadium uh was a little bit more fun of an experience in that sense um and to your point i don't like i can't name a loss the cowboys have had to washington that i've been like morose about you know what i mean like there have been some that have bothered me um and i can't even think of a win where i've i've just like been soaking it all in i i suppose maybe um the penultimate week of uh 2013 uh when when tony romo hit demarco murray but um but i mean it's just they've been so down on their luck that it it isn't so much of a rivalry in some respects. so i kind of get you know resorting to emotional things the way the eagles do obviously
2: yeah and and i i'm I'm i think i'm a little bit older than you are so i can remember some really really high stakes wins and and losses for that matter between the uh cowboys rivalry um but yeah, in recent times, we haven't seen that much. You now, back in 2012, I was at uh, FedEx Field when the uh,
1: week, week, week the, seventeen.
2: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, when when Washington won to to punch their ticket and to knock uh, Dallas out of the playoffs, that was a big one. That's FedEx Field is a dreadful stadium. It's really it's a dump. Um, but I don't think I've seen it rocking like it was that night. That was a that was a great atmosphere, and you don't see a ton of great atmospheres, frankly, at, at FedEx. So. Um, so that was a lot of fun. You know, there been, have been some sort of entertaining uh, Thanksgiving games, and it'll be interesting to see what happens in, in a week and a half. I think probably it's not – you know, Washington's probably not coming out on the good end of this one, but, but you never know when these two teams get
1: together. Um, you mentioned, obviously, Dallas hosts Washington on Thanksgiving this year. Earlier that season in 2012 was the RG3. People remember it as the RG3 game, but Alfred Morris had a day yeah. himself um, and Tony Romo and Des Bryant. I mean, I had a, I think I had Romo and Des on my fantasy team that day. And, and it was just if you had a piece of that game, it was, yeah. it was a prosperous week for you. Uh, 2020, they met on Thanksgiving. Um, uh, and that obviously led to Washington winning the title. That was the horrible fake punt uh, that the Cowboys had. Like when they yeah. were just like, they were super down. It was a really tough, tough, tough scene. Um, that was, you know, I don't know if you know this. Uh, I know the commanders just traded away. Chase young, the guy was never beat chase young on the commanders. That never happened. He was two and zero against
2: them. <laughs> yeah. I'm not sure if that's, that's a causation <laughs> or, or a correlation, but, um, but yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll give chase young credit for that.
1: So I mentioned you had the podcast, uh, Surviving Snyder, had because it's past tense. Uh, You, Rick Devins, uh, former mixtaper, Dalton Ross, who's been on the blog and the boys podcast to talk Cowboys, Commanders, et cetera, et cetera. You guys uh, all have, I don't know that we can say Dalton is a survivor, all due respect, but you know what I mean? Like all have this connection to Survivor uh, and all liked Washington. Like what you just were like, hey, let's let's just turn the microphones on and and talk about this team. And, And the name was so perfect because... If there was one thing that the entire NFC East could unite under, it was Dan Snyder being awful. We actually were really bummed uh, when he sold the team. Obviously, he's a horrible human being, and, and nobody wants to advocate for that, but but selling the team improves the team. And we don't want to see that happen around here. We wanted them to be terrible forever.
2: Yeah, yeah. The, the origin of, of our podcast was uh, we just had a text group going, and it was, yeah, Rick. And, and Dalton, for those who don't know Dalton, he is the sort of the preeminent expert, and he is uh, the the preeminent writer, uh of Survivor, so from the very beginning of the show back in 2000 um he 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 is um editor of ew magazine now it's online but and and he covered survivor he's been out on location a million times and so he there is nobody on earth that knows more about the show than than he does and so anyway used a washington guy as a matter of fact w- when i went out to go play survivor we had this like press junket kind of before we played and I knew Dalton was a uh then Redskins guy, uh Washington football fan, because I read his stuff and he'd mention it right. like in his recaps and stuff, which I thought was so cool. So for me, I was starstruck when I got to meet him like before the game. And and uh I walked up, shook his hand, and the first words he uttered to me were uh were hail the Redskins. I was like, Oh, this is my guy, right? So um, and then my survivor experience all went downhill from there. But um uh but no, it was so we were connected through survivor and then I didn't play with Rick. He was on a different season. Um, but Dalton connected us and we had a podcast or excuse me, we had a a text chain that we called misery loves company. And then one day Dalton was like, Hey, why don't we, why don't we turn this into, uh, a, um, you know, a podcast. And both of those guys have a ton of experience talking into mics. And, and so I was like, man, I'll, I'll be, I'll be the guy that you can drag along. That's fine with me. So, um, it was fun, man. We did it for, I don't even, I've sort of lost track. It was, I don't know, like a hundred. 30 episodes something like that and we we took it all the way to when uh snyder sold the team and we felt like the job was you done and, and yeah we survived so um and and yeah i mean talking about where we are now uh look i i can't tell you that josh harris is the greatest owner in the nfl he, i think what i can tell you is this he's better than the worst owner in the nfl um you, you can't get worse than dan snyder it was it was just hard man like irrespective of the results on the field, it was just so hard to root for this team. That was just an embarrassment. It was an embarrassment in our city, but like nationally, it was just, it was just a train wreck in every way possible. So, I and mean, we couldn't have been more excited. The two most excited times I've had in my entire adult life as a sports fan. One, when Joe Gibbs came out of retirement to coach the team, you know, I grew up in Joe Gibbs, the first era, right? Sure. Like I grew up watching Super Bowls, And, and so when he came back out, um, I mean, he's just a huge, uh hero for me and and then the other was when the day we we knew that it was official that snyder really was going to sell those are the two happiest days of my adult life as a sports fan
1: yeah the joe gibbs thing like people look back like i just did and laugh but like if you were a fan of the team that had to have been like the coolest possible thing in the world like, oh, it was. i don't remember i don't remember at what point but when the cowboys had a coaching vacancy i remember talking to my dad he was like they should call Jimmy Johnson up. And like, it would actually be that, like it would actually be like that living itself out. That was incredible. And the the reality is like, look, I I know that Gibbs had lost a little bit
2: off his fastball at that point, but this is a dude that took the team in four years, took the team to the the playoffs twice, right? No other coach can say that. No other coach had that level of success. And I, I know it's, it's middling success, but, but I mean, under Snyder, that is like, I mean, that's, Nobody's matched that level of success that he had, and and uh, I think he was fighting an uphill battle as every coach has been under under Snyder. Um, so, I, like I, I enjoyed it. I, I know he didn't bring uh, the team back to glory that you know they didn't they didn't get back to the Super Bowl under Gibbs, but that was that was a a, a shining light in a, in a pretty dark quarter century that we've had under uh, Dan Snyder.
1: You mentioned Josh Harris, and my co-host Brandon um, is a Philly guy through and through, yeah. um, and he is really bothered as a Sixers fan that Josh Harris now has a, you know, kind of a stake in, in a Philadelphia rival, so to speak. I think that's really dumb. Does that, does it bother? I mean, I don't know if you, you know, hate the Sixers or whatever, if that, like does does that bother you at all that he's got his hand in, in, I guess, rivalry sort of cookie jars? No, not really. I mean, yeah, the cross sport thing doesn't really,
2: doesn't really get to me. Um, I don't know. Maybe I'm not too consistent with that. Like, um, I like Washington guys to stay. So I think it would bother me more maybe if it had gone the other way, right? Like if he had, if he had been a Washington owner, sports owner, and then went and and bought a Philly team, I maybe I could, I guess I could kind of imagine how that might bother me a little bit, but no, as a Washington fan, it doesn't bother me even a little bit. And I think in part, because again, it's like, he's our, he's our savior, right? Like anybody, (laughs) anybody, but the guy we had is an improvement. So, um, so, I'm not about to you know sit back and be critical of Josh Harris. And I, look, I from you know, you hear you you can hear Philly people talk about the fact that they have a lot of confidence in Harris, and some people think he hasn't done the greatest job. um, either as a hockey owner or a basketball owner. Um, I think probably when it all shakes out, he's gonna be kind of a an average owner. You know, if they did wins above replacement, maybe he's like a, a zero war guy yeah. right? He's not a negative war guy. He's just kind of running the mill. But again, We'll take it anything's better than what we have.
1: but if you're a zero war guy at that point like in a league that rewards parity, like eventually fate yeah. smiles upon you like to the point right. that you're a playoff team and like if you get in like you just literally never know what can possibly happen and so that's why again like um this season hasn't gone incredibly well i'm certainly anxious to get your thoughts on on you know the current commanders um but there's just there's so many moving parts there's the like they're the pending potential rebrand and and the ron rivera situation and the quarterback situation like it's yeah. just impossible to like accelerate everything and have everything you, you're not going to feel the way you felt when joe gibbs came out of retirement in the next five years like it's it's a process and everyone has to understand that
2: yeah yeah no doubt about it and and i think you're know, speaking about rivera um i when when they hired him i thought okay this he's probably a zero war guy right and i and i've become convinced over the years that he's something less than that. Uh, unfortunately, I, look, I, you gotta give him credit. He came in under very difficult uh, totally. circumstances. And he's a professional, you know, and- and
1: Great human being, like no yeah. nobody denies that, totally with he, you.
2: He's just not a very good professional, right? So like, <laughs> he's a below average professional. I mean, he's a guy that's had what two or three winning seasons out of you know after this year when they when they failed to have a winning season this year. I think it's like two or three out of thirteen seasons he's had a winning season, and that's you know I mean that's what it looks like on the field. He farms out the defense to Del Rio, he farms out the offense to Beany. So I mean, for all intents and purposes, his job is to manage the show, and and on game day, he's the one making decisions. He's the one you know making that fourth and and two decision. He's the one. Deciding whether to go for two at the end of the game, he's the one who is calling timeouts or not calling timeouts or challenging or not challenging, and he's terrible at all of those things. I mean, really, really bad. Um, and so, again, yeah, great guy, good human being. I think probably I think the players like playing for him, and there's something to be said for that. But uh, but he's not good at at coaching football, and so um, I'm I'm really excited to see what comes next and and I'm never like I feel bad like I, I don't root for people to get fired um, and I'm definitely generally speaking not a midseason season uh, replacement proponent right like there's usually very little that can be gained from that this might be the exception though this year and this team might be the exception because I was listening to you last week and, and you guys were talking about how and and it sounds like you don't have a ton of confidence and and I'll say this like I know that Six or eight games or 10 games don't make a career. Um, and there's been some bad this season, but this is a guy who's started now, I think 11 games in his career. And I think there's been more good than bad. And you see the upside, uh, the upside's there. Now, I know, I mean, look, I'm in Washington. I know that you can have a fool's gold season, right? Like you can have a one hit wonder. Robert Griffin played right here in, in Washington. And so, um, and and obviously he wasn't, um, he wasn't what we all hoped he would be after his first season. And so I don't think we've seen enough to say that Sam Howell's the guy for sure, but I also think that we've seen enough to say he might be the guy, right? And uh, and and that's the first time I've said that about anybody since Kirk Cousins. I know Kirk Cousins is a lightning rod. I think he's a lot better than a lot of people. Other people do, but but um, but he's in my opinion, he's got the potential to be the best quarterback since Kirk Cousins, uh, beyond a shadow of a doubt. And so that's a big deal. And and if he's that guy, what concerns me, and I was talking with Dalton about this the other day, like. What concerns me is I don't really want this guy who's learning to play the position and, and seeming to sort of gain steam as he goes. I mean, his last three games have been really good. He just seems like he's on a good trajectory. I'd hate to see him have to start over with a new OC, right? And 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 um so what I'd like to see, and, and you have to think that if if Josh Harris decides to replace Ron Rivera, whoever comes in is gonna want to blow the whole staff out and bring in their right. own people. So I think you've got, I think the responsible play here, if you're Josh Harris, is to let Rivera go immediately, install Biennemi as the head, and just see what that looks like. And maybe it's a disaster, but they're not going anywhere anyway, right? So like, we might as well figure it out and see what you've got in, in Biennemi, because I think probably the only way that the Howell Biennemi experience or experiment continues is if those if Biennemi is the head coach. Because I just don't see a scenario where they're going to bring in a new head coach and keep
1: the OC. I think I think I agree with most of what you said. Um, I want to say I'm a big Kirk Cousins fan. Um, and I've gone to bat for Kirk a lot. Um, and so, you know, I've got the scars to prove it. Um, and so just super huge bummer, obviously, what happened to him. Yeah. I'm gonna be really fascinating to see what happens to him in free agency, obviously. Um, I, I, I totally agree with you. One of the worst parts about my job is like highlighting when people suck or are bad at what they do and like calling for them to be fired or benched or whatever the case may be. And I'm kind of with you in that like the commanders aren't making the playoffs, right? Like, I know that they could you know sneak in as the seventh or if they do who cares yeah right exactly um you know if you're the seventh seed at this point you're going to Detroit like you know is that like a fun you know weekend is that totally worth it and so I agree with you that you have like the Eric Biennemi thing is really unique obviously and there's certainly a large amount of data to suggest that he should have had a head coaching job by this point you have to find out like you didn't bring him in here just to, to not figure that answer out so you've got you know approximately half a season at this point in time to figure it out and yeah like if if you're going to ever give Sam Howell a chance with him, this is it. Like, treat it like your focus group. I'm totally with you because, I mean, like, whether you believe that Josh Harris wants to get his own, like, you know, figurehead in or whatever the case may be, beyond all that, it's just kind of time to move on from Ron Rivera. Like, it's been four years. There's been – there's no, like, quantifiable difference that he really makes for the team. So, like, you've got that that box checked off, so to speak. The enemy makes sense to give an opportunity to. That makes sense. He's obviously improved, or or we've seen improvement from Sam Howell. I'm a little bit, you know, I'm not quite ready to make a decision, but I guess if I'm a juror, I'm out right now. Um, I'm with you like i think the worst possible thing is the fool's gold is if you you pass up on an opportunity to to improve somewhere uh because you talk yourself into this that or the other but the reality too is at this point even the commanders probably have too many wins to be in caleb williams or drake may strike right yeah no doubt about it do you want to bring kirk back in free agency you don't want to do the like you know i don't know somebody's going to talk themselves into like andy dalton or jacoby Brissett. i mean ironically enough um you don't want to do that so like at this point you know while the franchise is still kind of being reborn, it makes sense to lean into Sam Howell. he's on a super cheap rookie contract. Like all all of that makes sense. So I'm kind of with you. Like it, it may, maybe you're one, maybe the Brandon, maybe the Cowboys blow out the commanders on Thanksgiving and the week and a half gives Washington enough time to move Ron Rivera out and let Eric, the come in for the rest of December.
2: Well, I'll tell you one thing that I, I think that probably Rivera is sticking around through the end of the season. Because I think Harris doesn't want to act rash or 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 be perceived as somebody who's acting in a way that's rash. But I think one thing that would do it is if they lose to the Giants this weekend, because the Giants are so bad, it, and because it would mean a few things. It would mean that they're they've lost to the Giants for the second time this season. Right. I mean, the Giants are really dreadful, really really bad. And Washington lost, I mean, lost badly to the Giants. Right. Um, they looked hapless, and so if they do that again at home this week. To a Giants team that you know, I mean, Tommy Devito. This isn't even the Giants.
1: If you if no. you lose to the Tommy Devito Giants, like it's a whole different level of shame.
2: They're they're so awful. I they, they I I think, particularly because Daniel Jones and Darren Waller are out, I don't think you'll find a. I don't think there's a worse group of skill players in the NFL, except maybe in New England, right? Then then with the Giants right now. I mean, they're they're awful. Like really, really awful. So if Washington goes or loses to the giants at home this week, maybe that would do it. But I think short of that Rivera's with us for the end of the season. I, I think I, if I had to guess, um, and, and that's too bad. And you, you talked about it last week on your show. I mean, they're stuck in purgatory and and this is what happens, right? Every year it's like, okay, cool. We won seven games. We got the 15th pick in the draft. Like, what are you going to do with that? And so, um, I find myself in this weird, like, okay, intellectually, I look at it and say, all right, here's what I want to happen. The best case scenario is that Washington loses narrowly and Sam Howell balls out, right, every (laughs) week. Every week. So So last week
1: was great for you. Yeah, yeah. So,
2: so that at the end of the season, Washington has four wins and they're picking third and they are convinced that Sam Howell is the guy, right? That would be probably the best case scenario, having said that, I, I go into each game thinking that and then I'm watching the game and I can't help but root yeah, for a you win. Just, you know, yeah. you just can't, you can't I, can't, I just can't root for a loss. So, so I don't. Um, but then I guess that's like the consolation or the silver lining when I, you know, when I'm like drowning myself in, in, uh, in my tears and beer at the end of the end of the night is like, well, at least you know, it's, at least they're not going to have the 20th pick in the draft, but yeah, I don't know what the fix is. And so, I think this really the stakes are so high with Howell because you said it, you know, they're 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 not going to be in a position even with and they've got a handful more of draft picks than they had, but it's going to take so much to go up and get Caleb Williams or Drake Mayer, one of these guys that I just don't think they'll have it in them to do it.
1: So. So, yeah, I'm just praying that Howell is the guy. I mean, Sam Howell. Terry McLaurin, Jahan Dotson. Terry McLaurin's always been the like underrated guy, like the the poster for that. Jahan Dotson's now kind of in that category himself. Ryan Robinson isn't bad. Um and the, the fact that you know the organization traded away both chase young and montez sweat really smart like not a lot of teams would be that bold but again like when you when you're at the bottom like you kind of you have nowhere else to go like you, you know what i mean like that was yeah. really wise to, to move on from two dudes who you probably weren't going to bring back and you got something out of chase young when i would imagine in july that seemed impossible like yeah. going into the contract
2: yeah i think you're right and you know they didn't I mean, the reporting is they didn't want to get rid of Sweat, but the offer was too good. And I, and when you right. look at it, Sweat just got twenty five million dollars, right? So that was going to be the asking price. And I think the team really valued Sweat, but having already paid Daron Payne and John Allen twenty million plus per year, I I just think they looked at it and they said, we can't pay this. This guy's worth a lot to us, but he's not worth twenty five million a year, right? That's that's like Miles Garrett money, right? So he's and he's not Miles Garrett. He's he's a good player, like a really solid player. He's not a game wrecker. and and so. Um, I think they just felt like they had to, it was the right thing for them to do. And the reality is I, I think of it this way. If you could have Montez sweat for $25 million, or you could have somebody who's maybe half the player sweat is for a 10th, the money, you know, for two and a half million (laughs) dollars. I think you got to go that way. Right. I mean, I, I just think you do. So, um, so yeah, they were looking at the future and it's something that the team really hasn't done in, in the past decade or so, you know, they, they didn't, they weren't um, they were short sighted and vindictive. And so they let Kirk Cousins go for nothing. Right. You know, they let Trent Williams go for, you know, essentially nothing. Um, and so it's about time that they start being forward looking. And and so, I, yeah, I applaud the moves.
1: I think that's like every fan, like whatever a team cuts a player, they're like, you couldn't even get like a seventh round draft pick for him. We're actually talking on the day that the Dolphins um, got rid of Kelvin Joseph, who the Cowboys traded for Noah Benogany. It's like, well, you got Noah Benogany for a dude that the Dolphins cut before Thanksgiving. You know what I mean? Like it worked out. Yeah. And to your point about Jonathan Allen and Deron Payne, I have never entered a Cowboys commanders game. And I say this contextually, like been worried about Chase Young, despite the fact that Cowboys never beat um, a Commanders team with him, but never been like, oh man, this is going to be like a Chase yeah. Young Montez Sweat game. It, but Jonathan Allen, Deron Payne, those are constantly problems for Dak Prescott and for the Cowboys. So I mean, and and something that Brandon says a lot around here, the Montez Sweat contract you talked about doesn't fit the timeline that the organization is on. You know what I mean? Right. Like it he, he doesn't yep. fit the the pace that this organization is moving with because of the potential new head coach, whether it's Eric Bieniemy or somebody else.
2: Yeah. Yeah, I th- I think that's right. And so, you know, they picked up um a a second rounder for Sweat. It's, and it's the Chicago second rounder. So it should be right. at the top of the draft, chop of the second round. Um, you know, they picked up an extra third rounder. It's gonna be the end of the third round, for all intents and purposes, an extra fourth right. rounder for Chase Young. But my big hope is that they invest heavily uh and they have a ton of money to spend in free agency. Um, I think they're they have as much money as as almost anybody in the league in free agency. It's and not the and a cheap, it's not the most cheap loaded quarterback free
1: contract classroom. too and a team quarterback to con-
2: contract. Right. Exactly. So so my my big hope is that I mean as we've talked about the 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 most glorious thing would be if Sam Howell really turns out to be a guy. And and I'll say this about Sam Howell. I don't think watching him now, I, I don't think that his upside is he's you know a top three uh he's not a he's never gonna be Mahomes Rodgers type of you know ceiling player sure um what a crime but I think but I think he could be a I think he could be a top 10 guy right and a top 10 guy you could do a lot worse than that right and we've been doing a lot worse than that for a long time here in Washington so so I mean if he if he could be a top you can win a Super Bowl with a top 10 guy right you can't win one with a bottom half guy that not anymore you know like Trent Dilfer is never going to happen again I don't think but but um but you can win one with a top 10 guy and so that's my that's my big hope and if that's what he is you got two more years after this one with him on a rookie deal you bring in some free agents you front load those contracts while you're not paying anything for your quarterback and and then they've got some draft stock so my hope is i mean they've got to revamp the offensive line i think they can do some things um to to improve their team and and hopefully the fact that they've got this this uh this cash and uh the draft stock means that they can attract a, a bona fide GM and a bona fide coach in the offseason?
1: Well, there are uh, I mean, I know we have a lot of younger listeners and and viewers, but like this this is a tiffany brand franchise of the nfl like i know yeah. it's, it's different and the name is different but like you're talking about a, a massive media market obviously the nation's capital um like th- this is a these are historic roots you know this is like truly um like a whatever your favorite like home garden television show is like the, the bones of this house are pristine it just you know you got to have the like demo day and everything to kind of like give it a facelift um so the, the last thing on the commanders for me um is you mentioned that we talked about how they're in purgatory wherever. The they are uh, uh, like along that spectrum they're still better off than the Giants because a worse place than purgatory to be is in purgatory while thinking you're past that and that's yeah like, that was the the crime or the the penalty of like over delivering in year one of the rebuild for the Giants is they thought that they were way too far along down that road and now we're out obvi- and plus like the injuries and things like that obviously exacerbate the issue but like that that Tiffany brand franchise is down historically bad right now.
2: Yeah, and it's it you know they had that blip last year. You said it like, and and I think that was maybe the worst thing for them. It it inspired them to sign Daniel Jones to it to a big deal. Um, and and I mean I guess the good news for the Giants is they can they, you know they got one more year on that deal and they can get right. out of it. And so if they're in a position as they likely will be to draft one of these quarterbacks, you know you can pay Daniel Jones. the the 30 million or whatever he makes
1: to be a backup to a, to a
2: rookie who's making a rookie money. Right.
1: So like you did with Eli and Daniel Jones. Exactly.
2: Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, so I, I guess that's, if there's any upside or any, any, um, sort of, I don't know, like silver lining for giants fans, it's that, uh, you know, they, they may be in a position to improve their team at the most important position. Um, When they thought they had the answer a year ago, they they thought, Oh, maybe we have the guy. And I think probably giants fans, if they were being honest last year would have said, yeah, he's never going to be Pat Mahomes, but like. He could be a top 10 guy he's there they were saying about him what i'm now
1: saying about sam Howell, which is kind of funny but um but you're not going to give sam Howell 40 million dollars this offseason that's the exactly, you know and I, exactly. I i didn't blame them for that they were stuck like they, they were stuck because they over delivered in year one and so like how could you let the quarterback walk it was just it was a no-win situation and to be fair though they did play the saquon thing right they never blinked obviously when he wanted big money and they'll be able to walk away from him obviously this offseason and probably still get a comp as a result of it. yeah
2: yeah, yeah. But they're, no, they're in a bad way. And um, so I'm really interested though, to see how things pan out for, for the Eagles and the, and the uh, Cowboys, because you know, the Cowboys, I mean, it's seemingly every year they're just so loaded. I think it's it, Jerry Jones has got to be confounding for, for you and Cowboys fans, because on the one hand, it's like, I, I think tell me if I'm wrong, but I think some Cowboys fans look at Jones and like, all right, I wish he weren't so metal. So he's got his hands in this thing too much. On the other hand, man, they can acquire talent, they can draft, like they draft dudes all the time. Like they, I mean, so, so, and that's, I know Jones has got a big hand in that, right? So I don't know, I guess you've got to feel conflicted, but, um, but it seems like every year you look at the Cowboys and you're like, they have so many, they're just loaded. Like they have so many guys and every year uh, you know, it's, it's just seems to fall apart. Um, And so, I don't know, what do you think as a Cowboys fan and a, you know, somebody who who is thinking about the team constantly. I mean, is, is this year or is this year? How is this year any different from any of the last, you know, 10 years? Like, it just seems like it's like it's a record on repeat at this point.
1: Well, you segued us into the Cowboys Eagles conversation. That's what I was going to do next. And I'm obviously this division and arguably the NFC is going to come down to one or two of them. Um, you know, it, it'll be interesting. The Cowboys play the Lions in week 17. So that'll kind of add to the mix of it all. Um, you're right. Like it is something I say often is like, you will never do your Christmas shopping with them mathematically eliminated. Like that will never happen. Like they, right. they will never be that out. Um, You know, to your credit, the Cowboys draft extraordinarily well. Will McClay, uh, they every year they like add something to his his job title to just give him a promotion to keep him around. Um, he kind of heads all that, and so that's why they've certainly earned the benefit of the doubt uh, when it comes to something like this past year when people were a little bit down on the Mozzie Smith pick. Uh, but you're right, like every you know, like Deron Bland is balling out of his mind right now. Fifth round pick last year, yeah. Um, and where things are different, and it's it's difficult. And I don't mean to be like the "woe is me" Cowboys person, but like because they are who they are, and they have the, you know, reputation and the attention that they do. If they don't win the Super Bowl, they're not just like a bad team. They're like galactic failures. Right, you know what I mean? Right. And so, heavy truly is the head that wears their particular crown. Um, and so, I I mentioned I, I have fought a lot for Kirk Cousins. I fight a lot on behalf of Mike McCarthy. Um, you know, last year, I don't know if you're aware of this. The Cowboys went to the playoffs for two straight years for the first time since two thousand and six and two thousand seven. like that had never like and I recognize like how silly that is to be like, what an amazing accomplishment, but like that was not happening for a very long time with the Cowboys. They won double digit games last year um in consecutive seasons for the first time since nineteen ninety five and nineteen ninety six. Do you know, uh, Brendan, that last year was their first road playoff win? Since the 1992 nfc championship game when they first knocked off the niners like it been and some of that is like circumstance right like they had home field yeah. advantage a lot whatever um but they still lost in the divisional round right like so like you can do all these amazing things and you can you know blow the cobwebs off of all these like particular record books and, and stat sheets but like if you can't get to the nfc championship game it's still kind of the same conversation and so i they, they have become a team under mike mccarthy that kicks the crap out of bad teams that yeah. Um, responds well after losses they are 11 and 1 uh after losses since 2021 obviously 2020 was the year Dak was hurt uh they have become a team um that defends home field I mean like have you ever been like oh man I'm scared of going to AT&T Stadium no like to Victor Cruz's point it was like a, a posh it is a posh palace but they've won 12 games in a row there so like they're becoming um what Mike McCarthy's Packers were and I know that they really underdelivered delivered for a lot of people but if if you are in the tournament every year every year every year again I, I kind of go back to what I told you earlier I think that eventually the odds are that that you'll get lucky or that the, the ball will break your way or whatever the case may be so I don't know I mean like if they probably won't win the Super Bowl right <laughs> like if, if you had to take one team or the field it's it's easier sure. to take the field um but they're as consistently good as they have been Since the 90s, which, again, isn't saying much, but is a really big deal for this particular team. I don't know if that makes sense to you.
2: Yeah, it does. I'm curious to get your opinion on we talked about wins above replacement for Ron Rivera. And what do you think about McCarthy? You said you're a big McCarthy defender. Is he I mean, uh, clearly you you think he's not a liability for the team. Do you think he's an asset or is he just kind of like going to, you know, deliver, you know, deliver on on what he should? Or is he is he giving you positive wins above replacement?
1: I think he definitely is. I mean, um, I think his greatest crime in his NFL career is that he lost a PR battle to Aaron Rodgers and and that forever, you know, handicapped him in any kind of evaluation or assessment that anybody makes of him I mean like people fell all over themselves at the idea of Sean Payton when they're like the same coach you know what I mean and and like and Mike McCarthy never you know Sean Payton went seven to nine three years in a row with Drew Brees as as his quarterback like that never happened to Mike McCarthy and people act like having Aaron Rodgers and now Dak Prescott is is again like some problem that that, oh man like McCarthy sucks you know Rodgers carried him so like that that kind of takes me to like the Dak thing is like the Cowboys have done all these things and the general consensus is that, that he sucks or whatever. He's this oaf that Dak sucks. He's not an elite quarterback. Um, so like both of those things can't be true. You know you know what I mean? Like, like yeah. from them to be this consistently good, like somebody has to be amazing at what they're doing. Well, and add, to the, mix, the other one add to the
2: mix, the fact that, uh, Dan Quinn has had such a profound effect on that defense. Right. So, I mean, the Dallas defense is scary, and I know they've had a few hiccups. Like they've had a few when they when they have an, when they're off, they're off, right? But right. Um, but by and large, that's like that's one of the defenses that really causes problems. You know, like you know, you talk, we talked about the fact that like uh, you know you never thought of Chase Young as like a game wrecker. <laughs> Montez Sweat isn't really that guy. You've got like three of those guys, you know, and, and, and you got, um, so the town acquisitions there and Dan Quinn, is, I mean, his track record speaks for itself, right? So, so I think the big difference between McCarthy and Green Bay and McCarthy and Dallas is that in Green Bay, uh, they were consistently poor defensively as a right. team and so that's i'm a big Rodgers defender and and i i've done all the statistical analysis on like you know when people want to argue about brady versus Rodgers, all that kind right. of stuff i always talk about the the number of top five and top 10 defenses that that brady had and the number of top five and top defenses that Rodgers had and and it's it's stark and so like all the guys all the quarterbacks in history that have won lots of super Bowls have done it because they're really really good and they've got a really good defense and so um that's what Dallas seems to have now. Is they've got a quarterback who, when is go when he's going right, is 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 really good. Um, they've got a ton of offensive weapons, and they've got a really dangerous defense. And so, um, I, I guess if I, I think that the bar for McCarthy should be high, because I just look at it as an outsider looking in, I'm like, okay, they they are so loaded from a like a player standpoint. They've got, I th- I think arguably one of the top two or three defensive coordinators in the league managing that side of the ball. Um, man, they they better win some games, right? Like, like how do you not, right? I mean, so um, so it's for me what's, you know, if we play the what ifs, it's like, well, I don't know, you name whoever you think might be the one of the top coaches in the, you know, you take Kyle Shanahan or you take and, you know, people have different opinions on him, but take somebody who's regarded as one of the top kind of top minds in the NFL right now and stick them in uh Dallas. And I wonder what we'd be seeing. Would it be the same results, better or worse? I don't know. But um yeah, I don't know. I, I when I will be honest with you, when when McCarthy signed, you know, when he was hired by the Cowboys, I was the same, like, yes,
1: same cycle as Rivera. Like it was yeah, the same like, offseason. Awesome. Right? Yeah.
2: Like this is great. Like th- they will be stuck in kind of like this mediocre state. And and uh so it'll be interesting to see if they can get over the hump.
1: We obviously have a lot of Eagles fans to listen to the show. Yeah. Um, so as much as it hurts us both, we have to talk about their team. I guess this is a, a natural segue. Mike McCarthy or Nick Sirianni, Dak Prescott or Jalen Hurts? Where is Brendan side on each of these two arguments?
2: <laughs> okay, so so uh, first of all, Nick Sirianni, there's something about this guy. He has like the most punchable face in the NFL. Uh, I've, I've said that so like, many he's, times. He's, Oh, he's mean mugging all the time. Like, I don't yeah. want that out of a, it's just obnoxious. It's stupid. I, I don't so, mean to
1: interrupt you. He does this thing that I've, I've joked about here. It's a joke. That's like completely serious. Um, I, I feel like nowadays every NFL coach is trying to like establish their, uh, their wardrobe item. Um, yeah. Like, like Kevin O'Connell wears the, the, like uh, the t-shirt with long sleeves with a hood. Um, yeah. Matt LaFleur wears like a vest. Like every coach has to have like a distinguishable item of clothing on them. Nick Sirianni forever had a visor that he would clip a highlighter to. And I just like I would always think like that cannot be convenient for you to, to have the like highlighter, yeah. you know, right next to your your dimple or whatever. Like that has to be incredibly annoying. But my take was that I really believe I still do that. He wanted Eagles fans to be like dressing up as him for Halloween, yeah. like walking around with play sheets and highlighters on their visors.
2: Yeah. Yeah, exactly. No, he knows he's on camera. Right. And he it, yeah, he plays to the camera, which is I don't know, whatever. Good for I you, guess. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, um, as to which which coach I'd rather have, like who gives the team a better chance of winning? Uh, I don't know. I mean, it's hard to argue with the results that Sirianni's got. I mean, they, totally. they just played a Super Bowl, right? So um, uh, I don't know. I might give the nod to Sirianni as much as I hate to do it. I He's think, super
1: aggressive, and yeah, I, I, I I
2: really admire that as much as it hurts to admit. Uh, Prescott versus Hertz. I, I probably lean uh, Hertz because oh, – because it seems like um Prescott so Prescott seems like one of those guys in the NFL it's kind of like um I don't know there've been a handful of like Eli Manning and various others who are like you could just tell they're like good guys you know just quality g- Kirk Cousins good,
1: like, good just humans right good yeah.
2: humans like just good people and you you want success for them you know putting to the side their their team affiliation you want success from because they, they seem like good dudes and um, and Prescott seems to be that guy, right? So it's hard hurts to root too, against... for what it's yeah, worth. Yeah. It like, hurts likewise. Hurts likewise. Mm-hmm. So, so, um, so it's hard to root against Prescott, but it does seem like, and, and I'm sure you could give me some statistics that would argue the contrary, but it seems like um, he is kind of your front running quarterback when things are going well, he's going well. And then when the lights get brighter, sometimes uh, you know, he poops a bed. So, um, so it'll be interesting to see again as this season rolls on, like, you know, I think this is going to be the referendum on on Dak Prescott because you know everybody expects the Cowboys to to make a deep run, and everybody expects it to be you know essentially. I mean, it's a four team race, right? It's Cowboys, right. Eagles, uh, Lions, and and the Niners, and um, so when they all start button heads, you know, in the at the end of the season, the playoffs, be really interesting to see who you know which of the quarterbacks sort of ascends, and and um, you know, to date. In the postseason and in games that really, really matter, Uh, you know, Prescott hasn't done that. Um, But tell me I'm wrong. Am I am I am I am I misremembering or is that is that a fair assessment?
1: No, but I mean, and I don't mean to like explain, you know, or explain everything away or whatever. But the four teams you mentioned, um, Dak's two most recent playoff losses have come against one of them, you know what I mean? Yeah. Against the Niners at like the peak of their powers. And um, I, I know our Eagles listeners get upset when I do this, but like the Eagles too, they're, they're an amazing team. Like I don't mean to take anything away, but they beat the Daniel Jones, Brian Dable led giants yeah, who we yeah. just bagged on. And then they beat yeah. the, the Christian McCaffrey quarterback. Niners. Oh yeah. I mean, no, like, the,
2: Eagles, I, the Eagles had maybe the easiest path to the Super Bowl of any team
1: in the history of the world.
2: <laughs> I mean, yeah. I mean, that's, tell that's me I'm the way wrong. to earn like,
1: fans around here, Brendan respect.
2: Yeah. Well, I mean, tell me I'm wrong. Like somebody, please tell me a, a team that had an easier path to Super Bowl than the than right. than Eagles and, did last year
1: and that's where like again I don't mean to be like Dak is this victim whatever but like he, he had to go through a bit of a different path you know so to speak than Jalen Hurts did last year and to Hurts's credit was magnificent in the Super Bowl the fumble aside uh, Brock Purdy was magnificent the Lions obviously weren't in the playoffs but like you're right that's you know we're at the point where like the rubber's about to meet the road on some of these teams and it's going to be fascinating and a lot of these teams are going to play each other the Eagles still have to play the Niners this season obviously yeah um, the Cowboys have to play the Lions Cowboys have to play the Eagles again um, and that I've, I've been saying it I said it last week that Cowboys Lions game I mean Dallas could win that game and clinch Philly home field advantage I mean you know that that could you know depending on what happens between now and week 17 obviously that could it'd be a real butterfly effect sort of thing um if we I've, we've gone extraordinarily long brennan so i have just a few blitz questions for you but if you had to pick a winner of the nfc east right now on uh thir- on tuesday november 14th who would you pick eagles how dare you seriously sorry okay. um, and and by the way Hertz. i you know
2: just real quick on Hertz. i i, I was not a hurts believer right out of the gate and i was 10. totally wrong like he's yeah he's he's great like i mean i think he's 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 a top five guy um without going down the list and and yeah, I mean, he can hurt you so many ways. He's just—he's excellent. So, yeah, the Eagles are in a good spot. I didn't think—I thought that it was fool's gold at first. I thought that they
1: believed in him more than they should, and I was totally wrong. He's—he's—he's—he's he's, uh, he's, he's one and, of the top guys. And even if he hadn't been, the fact that they got out ahead on the contract—we talked about this in the off-season. It's like yeah. the sooner you get that done, the sooner you can get out of it. If—if if it's terrible, if it blows up in your face, whatever. I mean, like they just make sound decisions as a front office, which is yep. super annoying. Um, so, you were on Survivor Ghost Island. Um, and I tried to verify this, but I believe that that was filmed in the summer of 2017. Is that correct? Yeah, that's right. Okay, so I would never be no, no, ridic- no sorry.
2: So it was filmed in the summer of let me, yeah, no, you're right. 17. Yep. That's okay,
1: right. so I would never be able to play Survivor because I would fold like in, I, everyone. I'm sure you've met like a million people that are like, oh, I could totally win Survivor, but like they all couldn't. Um, it's a very difficult thing to do, but like you know, when you think in your mind, like, what would it be like to play? Obviously, you did that and then you went and did it. One of the yeah. things that gives me great anxiety is like. Well, how would I like disconnect myself from like NFL news? You know what I mean. (laughs) Right. Like for however long it is. So like yeah. And and you you know I as I understand Survivor films like you know year round. So it's not like you had to miss like you know two months of the season or something like that. But what was the biggest piece of Washington news you missed? That's what I'm curious about. While you were filming Survivor.
2: Yeah. So um at that time. You know, it's OK. Funny thing about Survivor is I, you have to make up a story when you go on Survivor. Like you can't just tell people I'm going uh, to play Survivor. Right. So um, cool. That jeopardizes your spot in the game. So you have to make up a story. And so I had uh, for a long time. Well, I had just switched careers and become a teacher. And so I had to explain to a lot of people like students and other people like why I was leaving at the very end of the school year. So I told this really boring and convoluted story about how I had earned this fellowship i used to be in business and that it combined like business practices and education like i made it so boring and terrible that like nobody would ask follow-up questions
1: (laughs) this is awesome but
2: but the thing is that i said to people that there was this fellowship and it was in london right like i was going to go study in london for seven weeks uh which happens to be how long you're away well it used to be how long you're away when when you left for survivor and during that time there were terrorist attacks in london and so people like like bombs going off in london
1: (laughs) And it's so obviously not were, funny
2: but like i mean no wow. no so people were calling my wife and being like hey is brendan okay have you heard from him is there, you know and of course she knew where i was but um so uh so yeah um so in terms of news <laughs> like the news cycle when i was gone that was a big one um and then no it was i think the nationals so the the caps so the nationals were going well um the home teams um and then, and right. then the capitals i think that year I can't remember now if they're in the playoffs. I do remember that. So right after I played on on Rick Devon's season, Reem Daly, who was the first one out and then was on this island where she had to like sit and stew forever. um, You know, she kept asking because that was when the the Caps won the Stanley Cup. And so she kept asking like, what's happening, what's happening? And you get no news, like you get nothing. So even when you get voted out, like you, they just you're just disconnected from the world. Like you don't have your phone, you don't have access to the internet or anything. So yeah, you miss out. But thank God, yeah, yeah, that would have been tough to be gone during the football season because like I'm a Washington sports fan, but above all things, like and it's by a country mile, I'm a I'm a football fan.
1: Yeah, so I was kind of like putting myself in your shoes and and thinking the same thing where right? like that would be the ideal time to like go do this because yeah. you're like all sports matter, but like oh I missed the ESPYS, oh no, like how will I ever survive type of thing. Um, but if it had been a year later you would have missed the Kirk cousins like first season. And, and I'm I'm not certain how much you cared yeah. about that, but like that I imagine was of some level of interest to you. I mean, like that could have been a lot worse is what I'm saying. Like it was a good yeah. year to go play Survivor.
2: Yeah. 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 I can remember sitting out on the beach and, and uh, there's a guy in my season, Sebastian who is from oh, yeah. Florida, but, but Sebastian um just has family roots in, in uh, like a Maryland suburb of DC. And so he's a big thin redskins now commander's fan. And um and so like we'd sit at night like just talking about like training camp and what because you know we, we were filming so we we basically awesome. filmed from the end of May until um well the game ended like a uh, little bit before July fourth, and so you know we're just thinking about like and and I'm telling you like we're talking about like backup tight ends we're talking about Logan Paulson we're talking about like. You know, and it was so cool because I'm like half a world away and on the beach in Fiji, like thinking about like with half my brain who I'm going to vote out next. And then also like running down um, whether they're going to keep a fullback on the roster, you know? So, yeah, it's
1: kind of that is so awesome. Um, so that was um, do you remember Washington's first round draft pick that year? Oh, no. Who was it? That was Jonathan Allen. Oh, so, yeah, I yeah. mean, like, yeah, end you of know. the first round yeah look at what that obviously ultimately kind of yielded um that's so cool again i I just you know you put your i mean some people just think about survivor and they think about like the you know kind of superficial things but when you care a little bit more that's certainly what you think about um i also like you played i i know people hate this like i'm not in the survivor community but i know there's this divide among the new era and the old era and the like shortened time span whatever um would you rather play the old era completely um with just rice, like no reward challenges whatsoever, or go through five more years of Dan Snyder. <laughs> um, well, I, I under any circumstances
2: I'd take the old era because uh I think it probably suits me a little better. So if you so I'd love to go play again, and if I did, I'd actually rather play the old oh, era, the longer game. So the game used to be 39 days, now it's 26. Um and yeah, they didn't give you much of anything back in the day, and they they give them more now. And I think the more uncomfortable people are, the better for me. So, um, so so yeah, that's an easy one. I'd I'd I uh, I play old rules uh, Survivor
1: for sure. Well, this week, actually, um, that we're talking um, Survivor Auction, the Survivor yeah, Auction is bad. returning. Um, so your thoughts on the current season of Survivor in general? Um, obviously, Caleb was a super likable dude. Too yeah. likable. It was It was too obvious. It was just yeah. never going to happen for Caleb. I mean, you know, kiss of death when you're that likable that early on.
2: Yeah. And, and you know, so there's two things, right? It's like, how likable is he in real life? And then how much of that are they showing? And Right. And when, like... There was a time like so the survivor editors have, like once you played it, you kind of like look at it through the lens of like, OK, what is the edit telling me? So you try, like I try to deduce like what's going to happen at the in the end. Right. And there was a time when like if you were going to win the game, you'd get this hero's edit the whole right. way through. Right. But they um I think the editors try to obscure the results more now because people are just too savvy and they figure it out. Right. Yeah. So like he, Caleb was so much the golden boy that like you just knew he, it, like the wheels were going to have to come off um but yeah he was awesome great character and he was doing a great job out there and um so yeah it's a good season I I think they've done a really good job in casting by and large over the last handful of seasons the only problem like this year as you know if you watch the show two of the first four players voted out well two of the first four people to go quit the game and so I don't know whether that speaks to a like a, a problem in casting or if it's just just really bad luck right and it could just be just a spade of bad luck and, and, um, and we won't see another person quit for the next decade. Right. So, uh, hard to say, but, uh, but that's disappointing because you want to see people out there that want to be there. Um, but it's, it's good. I mean, I, I prefer the old times where it was a longer season because it it changes the dynamic and it just changes the game. Right. Um, it's, it's a different game. It it taxes people differently. They're going to play differently. Uh, when it's short and, and I think survivor like production, they want to play up like, Oh, it's it's fast and furious and it's more dangerous now. And I mean that, you know, whatever, I don't, I'm not sure that that's true. Um, I do like this, that one of the best things to come out of this season is because of the, the right, I think it's because of the writer's strike in Los Angeles, right. in Hollywood. Like they got to they've got to extend like uh, programming and they've got to put some right. on TV. Right. So, so a lot of these reality shows are being shown more because they don't have writers to write scripted shows. And so every episode this season has been an hour and a half. And I think that's like the perfect length. It's just, it's, it's awesome. Because you can really kind of get into a little bit more of what's going on out there and um, why people are doing the things they're doing. You can sort of build uh, build a little bit more tension, more drama. So I, I think it's been really good in that regard.
1: Yeah, it's amazing. Even with 90 minute episodes, um, like, there's, like just reading like the Survivor subreddit, it still feels like there are things that... I wish I would have seen like conversations. Yeah. I wish I would have seen. Um, you know, it, like it's it's just if you're into Survivor, you kind of know that like there really truly never is enough. And I believe I saw that um, next season, the first two episodes are both two hour episodes yeah. before ninety uh, minute episodes. Begin. Yeah, two
2: hour episodes where I think they're only voting one person out in each episode. So so like my season we had a 90 minute first episode where we voted out two people and there were all these shenanigans around like sending somebody to ghost Island, which was a right. new thing. So like you're packing so much in and when that happens, like you just can't like sometimes as a viewer, you're watching survivor and you're like, why did that person do that? This doesn't make any sense. And sometimes there's like, it's because they're not very good at survivor, but other times it's because like there, there's a good reason why they did the things they did. And there's just stuff has to get left out. Right. Because if you think about it, like early on in the game, there are a couple days that happen before anyone gets voted out, and everyone's being filmed 24 hours a day, right? So there's so much footage that they've got to. You're seeing 10 percent of the action out there, right. right? And so they've got to simplify plot lines, and it's not because they're trying to like trick the viewer. It's just like you just can't, yeah. you just can't show everything, right? And so sometimes stuff's gonna get left out, and and um and so I think the more you can show of the why and how is the better. So
1: yeah, I've been really happy with it. I'm with you prefer the old era obviously Um, also like all the advantages are great um, but it it does get a little overwhelming trying to remember where they're all at and like this season especially um, with the like advanced even more advanced uh, you know advantages that are like you can combine these two and when one you know what I mean like it's you know it's a very tricky. when Jay left, my wife and I were like, okay, well, this – it was like a domino effect of like, yeah. this means like 14 different things now because she's gone, um, whatever the case may be. Um, it does deliver great moments, like Caleb's shot in the dark, obviously, um, although the shot in the dark has existed forever. Um, yeah, I think that was the first one to hit, right? The second, but the first to successfully hit, um, like successfully save someone that would have been voted out, obviously. Yeah. Um, and even like – again, I'm a big fan of Devin's. The fire-making challenge, miss me with that. Like I'm – you know, if, yeah. if you win – Immunity at Final Four, like you deserve to be the most powerful person in the game. Like that's the way Survivor was kind of meant to be played, in my mind.
2: Yeah, I can't disagree with that. The reason (laughs) they did it is is um they 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 wanted a situation where they wanted to strengthen the final three ultimately, right? Is because what happens otherwise is you know whoever has the power to vote somebody, you know, to decide who the final three are is going to just pick two duds, and they wanted to get away from these like you know these these blowouts at at final tribal council. And so they thought, okay, like if Devin's who no doubt would be voted out, um, if he can earn his way back in and he's a strong player, well, that's good for the game. So I, I I get why they do it. Um, like I understand it, but it doesn't always play out, I guess the way that they intend.
1: Yeah. I mean, I was bummed for Devin's obviously, but the first one, um, I believe it was Chrissy, um, who won the final four, um, immunity. And then, you know, Ben, like, if you have the proper like character arc, I hate to call it, or simplify it that way but where you are this just like beast at winning things and then you yeah. come in and like save yourself with this final fire making challenge like it 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 makes it impossible to outdo because it, at the very least you should show the jury the final four immunity challenge so that they can see like what the person who won how heroic they were you know what i'm saying like that yeah. that's an important piece of information in the whole Yeah round. although i I'll, i guess my counter argument would be
2: that um the reality of the situation. And, and, and I'm only saying this from talking to lots of survivor people. I was not part of the jury. I got, I got kicked out long before that. Um, but I think that winning challenges and, you know, including the fire making challenge isn't going to win you survivor. Ultimately it's relationships that do it. And, and, um, it all gets back to that. So, um, I think you could, yeah, you could put on this great show at, at tribal council and, and win survivor and, you know, pull it out of the fire, uh, so to speak. But like, if you don't have good relationships, if you don't built, haven't built that, then you're not going to win. And ultimately I think it always comes down to that. So like on, on Ben's season. Yeah. I mean, he won, he made a bunch of splashy moves and, sure. and uh, but he also, it, it often just gets down to who, who the players hit it off with who they like you know and, and that's it's a just, social it's a, game it's a social game yeah. above all things it's a social game and you know we could geek out and talk about it for a long time but there are lots and lots of examples of where the person who won the game was not the the greatest challenges but instead the, the person that just made the best best relationships and ultimately that's I think what it comes down to
1: last one for you Brennan, and you've already been a hero for how long you've um you've lasted here um, outlasted some would say uh you're I don't know who you picked to win the season of survivor so whoever that was if you did give a winner pick and if you want to change it you can do so here
2: Yes, Uh, I, I, I don't know that I gave one this year, but but I was talking with my my son Will, who's a huge Survivor fan, and and Adam Dalton probably knows more about Survivor than anybody else on Earth, Uh, and he he thinks it's going to be either Kelly the nurse, that's my pick, or D, and uh, and I I can't disagree with him. If I had to put put money on one or a couple people, I'd be willing to put a little bit of money on the two of them versus the field at this point.
1: Yeah, I'm with you. If you give it two teams versus the field, I'm totally in on that. Um, That goes for the NFL as well. Um, I think Kelly's got the same like ability as Caleb, but like nobody is is as aware of it. Um, She's a little bit more stealth in that sense. Um, So she's dangerous. Uh, But in Shapiro, you have been incredible. Um, This has been so much fun to talk about the commanders, to talk about Survivor. Um, Anything else you want to say? Actually, I have one last request. Um, This is the NFC East mixtape. I didn't prep you for this because I wanted to surprise you um every week we add a song to an ongoing playlist that we have um and even guests get to add a song so um give us a song to add to the NFC's mixtape playlist please oh gosh um it doesn't have to be a lot of people ask like it doesn't have to be reflective of like where the commanders are at in the season it doesn't have to like personify your feelings for them it can just be a song you like it can be anything you want except um i would prefer if it's accessible on apple music so i can add it to the playlist that's the only uh yeah make sure it's accessible on the most popular music platform in the world please
2: gotcha and 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 uh is this can it does it have to be um school appropriate like does this have to be nah we got explicit songs you're good right yeah in that case we're gonna go with i just heard this the other day here it is um i'm looking it up as we speak sorry because i it came you're fine i'll buy you some time here it is uh it's 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 okay featuring young thug it's it's actually buster rhymes back from back to the dead um but it's featuring young thug okay is is uh that's a good one
1: that's a great song thank you for your contributions thank you for the conversation brendan you're the best uh i wish you health wealth and happiness but like pure and utter sports misery for obvious reasons
2: <laughs> feelings mutual it's been a blast anytime